Welcome to Up the Blues, the Waterford FC podcast. My name is Adam Lundy, and I am joined by my co-hosts Martin Culloden and Evan Culloden. How are you doing, lads? How's things? Good, yeah. Good. Thanks, Adam. How are you? <laughs> I'm dying of the flu, to be honest with you, pal. So uh, you're probably going to be doing a lot more talking than I will. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm dying off, so I am. Uh, you know, it, it is it is what it is. Um, so. For for those listening, obviously, brand new podcast. If you're listening, you're very welcome. We're going to be keeping this running the whole way through the season. Obviously, the focus is on on Waterford, how they're getting on the league. You know, if they're going to get that promotion pushed, everybody's hoping for this year. Uh, we'll obviously give some sort of talking around what's happening elsewhere in the league as well. I'm sure there'll be a bit of news from other teams creeping in, especially when we get to that end point in the season where there might be two or three teams challenging for that automatic spot. So before we get into like the nitty gritty of of what happened in match week one, in terms of preseason, that's how, how do you think Waterford fared in prepping for for the new year, in, both in their matches and and in their transfers? Um, it, look, the matches they were a little bit, a little bit all over the place. Realistically, like we call a spade a spade. Um, obviously the first couple of matches in preseason against Hibs and Tremor were quite good, and even Middleton in the uh, Monster Senior Cup they were quite good. To be fair. Um, obviously, I had the one all draw against Hibs with a team that that was their first time playing together, and a lot of time it was their first time with any new player because there's a lot of new players even in that team. Um, so that was a one all draw against with Hibs. Um, yeah, the three 0 win then against Tremor just a few days after that, um, which was a nice enough one as well to have just to get a couple of players kind of back up to speed. And then you had the two uh, one win against Middleton. Of course, now Junior was one of the players that scored in that, and he's gone so. That's a different story altogether. Um, after that, then it was a little bit hit and miss, really. Uh, you know, you had the one all draw against Cove, um, at that friendly, uh, a two 0 win against Rovers, which was a nice one to have, uh, with uh, Bagley and Con Clark scoring, and then a two 0 loss against Pats, and you were at that game yourself, Adam. You're gonna start a performance of that one. Yeah, but, um, yeah, definitely a game of two halves, and the second one not being very good. Yeah, absolutely, but. Uh, it was looking it from what we can see, I suppose, as supporters just following the club. It's, it seemed to be that they were putting a lot of work in, kind of in terms of training. Obviously, they had the preseason in Dubai and that sort of stuff. And it did seem quite good. And then, you know, some of the matches seemed very good. And some of them were just kind of abysmal. You nearly wanted to go home a bit earlier than, and, you know, I'd never leave a match early, which kind of wanted to go home 10 minutes before the end, say, right, let's get out of here. But then, yeah, so that's kind of the nature of preseason, really. It's, you're not looking for much excitement. You're just kind of looking to see kind of how a team is getting together. And especially with as many players have to come in and out as well as they have this season um, or the start of this season, you know, you're going to have to have a team as well going to gel together in the first what, five or six matches, um, which they did when you really look at the, how they played against Wexford. That, that's the thing. The turnover, you know, in the playing, in, in the playing staff is going to be massive. Um, as you said, Junior was 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 the big one that's gone the last few weeks. Obviously, that was a bit of a weird one. It was over visa issues more than anything else. Obviously, the big one prior to that was Phoenix, you know, moving on, which I don't think anybody was too surprised with. Um, mm. You know, a player of his quality was never going to be sticking around too long. Um, but they, they've brought in some interesting players, a few lads in on loan, especially. Um, just going through... It, you know, they've had, there's been a few signs. Obviously, there was a couple in, in the week sort of leading up to match day one. Um, the one that kind of stood out for me was, was Ryan Burke, who who we saw play the second half against Pats. And even though the second half wasn't very good against Pats in preseason, 
Um, he he looked decidedly solid, and I think he kind of proved that mm-hmm. in in the game against Wexford as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you have Ronan Cotland comes in as as a forward option. You know, a bit of a pedigree, obviously a bit of experience. Then you have someone like Charles Ondo, who's kind of an unknown commodity. You know, we, we were kind of joking that when he came in, he was being quoted as being a centre forward or a centre back. Mm. So, you know, yeah. it really goes to show we, we don't really know much about him or, or what he could bring long term in the season. But uh, a lot a lot of turnover in, in the players. But, you know, at this kind of level, you know, of, of this kind of football, you're always going to see that. It's about how you, you kick on and try and gel together as fast as you can. Yeah, exactly that. It really is. Even looking at some of the players that are, you know, kept on from last season, even, you know, in the preseason matches, and it was a lot of them were kind of finding their feet again. And I suppose it's kind of finding your feet playing with players that you hadn't played with before. You know, you would have had a link up between players on the pitch last season. And now you have the players that are still left at the club. And they, all of a sudden, the players that they normally kind of pass up doing to or play whatever kind of balls with, and they're not there anymore. You're like, what's going on? Um, so it did take, I think, I think, It'd be safe to say um, that they kind of found a little, took a little while, I should say, to find their feet. But when you look at how they played against Wexford there, just on Friday on, you know, they really did gel together. There was no kind of weak link in that team at all between the 11 that played and then even a couple of subs that came on. They did play very well. Um, you know, so it was really just that finding your feet. And obviously, you're going to have to do that in every preseason, especially one as, I suppose, chaotic as, as the preseason that we had. And I suppose like with some with, with this as well, we, we were kind of saying it, you know, in, in that sort of week closing out preseason and like even even this week we were saying that we probably still could do with some extra help in defence. So they're probably far from finished uh when it comes to uh, you know, their signings. Obviously there's a couple of lads that come in from Fleetwood, uh Barry Bagley, Chris Con Clark, they they came in in January, um, obviously it's handy having a team like Fleetwood, you know, as a as a sort of sister club where you can bring in these kind of players. You just hope that maybe they'd send in a centre back or something, yeah, uh, before yeah. we get too deep into the season. Absolutely, you know, um, like I was saying, it it is I suppose nice to have that kind of link up between the two clubs. Obviously, having a sister club the same owner. Um, I think if you ask, if if you're looking at it the way kind of what we're after getting from them. Obviously, we know Barry is a good player. He's a great player. Um, from what we've seen in the preseason, he's just you know he's an absolute workhorse. And anything he's done so far can be faulted. Um, by all accounts, anyway, Chris Conclark seems to be unbelievable. Um, you know, kind of that Phoenix replacement, which I suppose is kind of the big thing everyone was talking about all preseason is you know how do you lose a player of Phoenix's stature, and then what do you do to replace him? You know, because that was always going to be something that had to be sorted. But you know. I don't think many would have argued before we saw them two lads play that Fleetwood are kind of after getting the better steal of uh, you know players going back and forth between Waterford and Fleetwood, especially with them after getting Phoenix and we got basically nobody at the start. Um, but seeing the two lads come in, it, it seems to be nice to have that kind of link up there. But like you're saying, definitely need something kind of in that back line, you know, centre-back or even you know a left-back. Now we have, uh, obviously, Ryan Burke is in and uh, Ondo, which can play left-back. But... Definitely need a couple more defensive options. Absolutely. I think, however, the sign of Phillips from Aldershot is very underrated so far. He actually captained the side against Wexford, surprisingly, instead of Eddie Nolan. I know Killian mm. Cantwell was suspended, 
but he captained the side and that obviously shows that Danny, who previously worked with him before, has a lot of faith in him. And in fairness, he looked very solid and very commanding at centre half. So maybe be him and Cantwell possibly will be the, the pair to start the season or to continue the season when Cantwell's back. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's, good. it's a good show and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more when we actually do the, the match analysis but uh, for, for the Wexford game. Um, but it, it would seem right now that perhaps centre-back isn't direly needed but when you have a season like this where there's going to be injuries, players could move away kind of at mm. any time, it's always nice to have someone in the back pocket that you can bring through because, you know, Eddie Nolan, I thought, and again, I don't want to get too deep into this as we'll, we'll get into the game. I don't know actually had a very good game against Wexford, but obviously he's yeah. had his injuries. Age is not on his side as a long-term option. Dean Larkin didn't look very convincing in preseason. So you know, if we're having to rely, as I said, we have Cantwell as well. So you're looking at really relying maybe on, on Phillips and Cantwell. Uh, yeah. It's only really two centre-halves you can really truly rely on, uh, despite Noel, obviously Eddie Noel having a good game. Yeah, no, absolutely. You'd yeah, like to yeah, have right. someone else in there. Yeah, no, absolutely. The kind of the depth we're lacking a lot of depth when you look at you know that back two. Um, it is really just Killian and uh, and then obviously Phillips there that you're looking on every week, and that's gonna wreck you. You know, I was only looking at the whole calendar earlier on. Um, there's a couple of weeks where we have two matches in a week. Um, the twenty first of March we end up playing Cork in the Munster uh, Senior Cup again in that semi final. So there's actually basically three matches that week because we had the match on the Friday, the match against them on the Tuesday and then another match on the Friday. So to be having very hectic schedules, uh, you know, playing schedules of all fairly big games, you know, if you're, lo- if you're pushing to get all of that emotions, they're all big games. Um, so to have hectic schedules like that and only having two bye weeks in the whole season, then there's only two weeks where we don't have a game um, and they're in the middle of the summer. You, you really do need to have some sort of squad depth that's more than Eddie Nolan, who, like you said, he is getting that bit older. It's nice to have his experience, but he is getting that bit older where you can't rely on him week in and week out because he is going to look getting tired uh, a lot quicker than the rest of the players. And then Dean Larkin, who is, he's promising, but is, he's kind of finding his feet still, I think, in the team. You know, he, he played well last season when he came on, but I'm, I'm not sure he's someone that I want to be starting week in and week out, especially if, you know, Killian or, or Phillips picked up maybe a long-term injury. Um, that you do need, you are in a position where you can only start Dean Larkin week in and week out. It's it's not something I'd be entirely happy or confident with doing, you know, at least yet anyway. But uh, I suppose a lot remains to be seen there on that one as well. So before we get into the, the sort of match talk then with the Wexford game, do you guys have any of the particular new signings that you're just particularly interested to see how they get on? You know, the one that you're lo- most looking forward to seeing how they kick on this this year. Uh, yeah, it does. There's a couple. I'll, I'll leave Evan go first there because I know he's he's fond of keeping an eye on the signings. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's a couple. Go on. Um, I think there's two. There's two that I'm most excited about, and I think it's Con Clark. And it's Phillips again, as I mentioned before. Uh, I think Colin Clark, after looking at some of his highlights from non-league this season, the National League, he looks like a player who really has something about him. He can, he's deadly over a set piece from what I've seen, and he can, with a click of his fingers, he can run the pitch and slot one into the bottom corner with ease. I think that's that's what will excite me the most about Colin Clark. And to be honest, uh, 
Phillips as well, that centre half. Now, in fairness, I didn't know anything about him, to be honest. And he's really impressed me so far when I've seen him play in pre-season and in Wexford, of course. Uh, I think he's going to be something that will that be the stalwart of this team for the upcoming season. Yeah, and I suppose kind of just another couple of players to add on to that as well. I'm interested, I suppose, to see how Ondo gets on. You know, coming in, we haven't seen him play yet. Um, you know, so just to see how he gets on with where he is actually going to be playing. You know, because the whole talk that he can play left back, he can play centre back, he can play striker. Uh, you know, or in attack. So where is he going to actually be utilised? Is he going to be? Is he more maybe of a jack of all trades that you can just kind of put him in when you need an extra player in that position? Or is he someone that we're actually going to be able to rely on to actually do the job week in and week out in that position, in a specific position, I suppose. Um, the other one, I suppose, that I haven't actually seen, I suppose, much buzz about, but I'm actually a big fan of it, is uh, Dean McManamy. Um, obviously, he came, he was a Sam, uh, Shamrock Rovers, um, you know, kind of a product, I suppose. He came up to the Rovers on the 19th, uh, was with Rovers then, and went on loan to Longford. Then the end of last season went back to Longford. Or I went back to Rovers, I should say, from Longford, and then obviously we got him um, as a free transfer. So you know he started against Wexford. I think he was fairly solid. He's kind of for me. He's kind of a more similar, I suppose, to a Niall O'Keefe in that he's just kind of relentless. You know what I mean? Niall doesn't do much in terms of you're not going to get a goal week in and week out from Niall. That's not what he's there for. You're not going to expect him to be doing that fancy with the ball, but what you can always expect from Niall O'Keefe is that he's going to absolutely do everything he can to try and win the ball, keep possession, make something out of the ball or whatever, whenever we have it. And if we don't have it, he's going to get it back. And from what I can see, anyway, Dean seems to be doing the same. So I like having him there as well. I'm excited to see what he can do for the rest of the season. Yeah, there's a lot of players have a lot of buzz around them. You know, the ones you've mentioned, uh, Con Clark, I think especially, a lot of people are excited about him. Uh, you know, the YouTube star Connor Parsons yeah. uh, came in, and I think he had a decent game against Wexford as well. To be fair, um, mm. one thing you can say about this team is that it's it's full of it is full of hard workers. I didn't see anyone slouching around during the Wexford game. Everybody put in a shift, mm. and I think you have to have that work ethic. You know, to be successful at this level, you have to grind it out sometimes. And, Absolutely, and that's that's one thing that you that you that you need from these signings. And from what we've seen so far. They're all well capable of putting in a shift. Absolutely. And I was actually only listening um with Seemed on a podcast there with uh, Extra Time. He was interviewed on it earlier on today. And they were asking him, kind of, you know, what, what about the season, kind of your outlook for the season? And he was just saying himself, you know, it's it you don't need that and fancy, it's not about having that special, it's just constantly about putting in hard work, that's all you need. And he said, looking at Cork last season, that's what they done. It's just week in and week out, they're relentless and just putting in the hardest work they could. Um, and obviously they got automatic promotion over so you know it's even the players I think are actually after recognising that now and you know the la- last season watching them last season I was always the first to probably say you know at times was seem would want to get off the pitch um, not that he's not a good footballer it's just he has his moments where he's just not up to power um, and I think he'd admit that himself and I know there's a, I know a couple of people uh, Evan and probably in home as well that's definitely, you know, keen on maybe throwing a bit of bit of weight on the scene. Um, but when you look at then what he does, you know, he seemed to be relentless in kind of the off season, not even the preseason, but just he went back home to France um based just off his Instagram stories. And every week, day in, day out, he was just constantly kind of training, constantly in the gym. 
Um, and he just seemed to really then get a lot out of the uh, preseason then as well, especially in Dubai. Um, he actually scored in that match that was called off in Dubai. That was a stopped halfway through and all. So uh, I think they really, the players are actually recognising now that it is just a case that they have to put in as much work as they can to try and get that automatic promotion box. There's no other option really. That's the thing. Last thing you want to be doing is is playoffs. Playoffs are just such a, a dice roll. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Because it's just about what happens on the day, really. Whereas, like like you said, automatic promotion. You just you want to be that team that, like, when you get automatically promoted, when you go into the, when you go up to the Premier League, then you're seen maybe a bit more formidable. Whereas, they're going up through the playoffs, was it luck? Was it something that happened on the day that got you there? You know. Hmm. Whereas. If you, if you show that you can be the team that finishes out number one in the league, then mm. other teams are going to be a bit more wary of you, um, which which can help your play as well. Mm. Exactly. And you know what? It's great for the team as well. Obviously, when you look at, I suppose, kind of going into the season this season as a, a Waterford supporter, you know, there's over a thousand season tickets sold. The following is obviously huge um, for them. You know what I mean? There's obviously a lot of interest in the club and in the team, I suppose. But I was watching as well. Um, just on social media, Cork they had their first match of the season, uh, the same night we were playing Wexford, and obviously they were the, that was their first match back up in the Premier Division, and thing was sold out. You know they sold out Turners Cross way before I think it was a few days before the match was on, that sort of thing. So just having that kind of backing as well from the fans, you know, we've been there now. I suppose me and Evan have been following it, you know, all of last season, and then the season before we were following it. Uh, you know, probably what was it, Evan? Like maybe the second half of the season, I suppose. Yeah, the before. It's from the Bows home game, yeah. scored. You know, and it was to go up when we were kind of in that relegation playoff, and go up again to St Pat's Ground, up Richmond Park, and lose against UCD. Shocking, you know, and whatever went on there with the old owner and Mark Burgeon as the manager getting sacked a week of the, probably the most important match of the season. Uh, you know, and all that went on, and the fans were just fed up of it. And you know, for the fans to come back then, back in the first division. And, and you know, do what they could do, and then keep up, try and keep the spirits up. Like you look at the attendances of the second half of the season, the RSE, and when we were going into the matches, like ridiculous attendance is still for a first division team. You know, not like some of them. Some of them are, you know what I mean. You're going to be a little bit short or whatever. But like when you are playing Friday evening matches in the first division in Ireland, and you're still getting attendances like that, it's it's very good. And um, so I think a lot of it's just kind of getting the fans, keeping the fans there because. I don't think from a fan's perspective, whatever about the team, I know Danny Sears said there's no option now other than automatic promotion. But from a fan's perspective, like there is no other option now than automatic promotion. Because, you know, to lose against UCD and get relegated, to lose against UCD this year again and not get promoted, or last year, I suppose, and not get promoted, you know, it's it's kind of dragging on at this point where the only option now is to actually put in that performance this year and see what comes out. So on that note then, that's let's... Let's actually start talking about the game that happened. Match week one, the Southeast Derby and Ferry Carrick uh, against Wexford. Uh, massive attendance. Uh, we were all three of us were there. It was really, really un- unbelievable turnout. The game was postponed 15 minutes because they were just trying to get everybody in. They were backed up to the main road. Uh, I, I saw, I think the attendance clocked in just over 1,900 people from, from what I was reading. Um, mm. Apparently only 800 of those were Waterford, but we walked around the whole pitch and we saw way more blues than purple and golds. I don't know, Absolutely. I don't know how accurate those numbers were. The, the Waterford fans, the, the, the Waterford faithful were, were out in full mm. voice. It was great to see flares and all going off. Um, so 
obviously very very good turnout um i got the flu off the back of it though so i can't be too happy <laughs> uh, <laughs> um but obviously the match was the match was, was great as well perfect way to start off the season mm. uh, with with the three nil and i think what makes it great as well as i was watching highlights from the other games in in the league and I think one thing you can say is that this was a comprehensive 3-0. The, the, yeah. Wexford did not have a sniff uh, uh-huh. in the whole game. Like they had what what would you what you'd call a fairly promising forward line of of, of Aaron Dobson and Adiemo. Yeah. Uh, especially Adiemo looked very dangerous, you mm. know, in in theory, just due to his speed and his height. But they just had no creativity at all. There was just they, they had no way of actually getting up, getting the ball up to them, and, and creating yeah. something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like I say, you know, it was it was very comprehensive in that I think Wexford, what realistically, they had maybe one chance. I think maybe uh, you know getting a shot off, but you know half a chance exactly. There was nothing that really kind of frightened us at all. I was never kind of sitting there. We were you know the second half. We were right up at that goal, at Wexford goal, and that's where they had the chance. And I was I was looking at it and I wasn't even really kind of frightened. You know, watching it, there was no point where I was like, oh god, what's actually going to happen here? Um, you know, so I was, I was very happy with that. You know, from even a defensive point of view, I know we're actually just after saying that for the last whatever ten minutes, saying uh, you know that we need we need more depth in the back line, that sort of stuff. But we really just kind of locked Wexford down in that match. They had no chance of getting that enough. And again, a lot of it probably is just due to their lack of creativity. But I think one of the most interesting things about it is you know we were on the way down to that match and even kind of the days leading up to that match. And I know myself and Evan were saying anyway. Um. You know, Wexford seemed to be a force to be reckoned with in the preseason. You know, they played very well in the preseason from what we saw. They made a lot of signings, you know, and promising signings by the looks of them. So, you know, I wouldn't have been a bit surprised if we went down, especially after that performance against St. Pat's uh, two weeks ago, um, if we went down and got hammered off of Wexford, you know, or even it was just a draw off of Wexford. So to win 3 not and, and put, out, put out performance like we did, I'm, I'm delighted with. But um, it was definitely an interesting watch, to be sure. Yeah, it seemed as though there was a buzz building around Wexford. Uh, and again, it was probably partially down to the signings, the, the pre-season. You know, could even partially down to the rebranding and everything like that, you know, the new crests mm. and jerseys and all that crack. Mm. There seemed to have been a buzz that was building around Wexford going into this season. You know, people were saying they were going to push for promotion. Mm. Um, yeah, well, look, I know this is the first game of the season. As we said, a lot of new signings that might need time to gel. But mm. um you know, uh, <laughs> going by their performance, I wouldn't be too worried, especially if they can't get a creative spark. Now, to be fair, I think their lack of creativity came down to just how well we locked up the midfield. We had complete control of their midfield the whole way through the game. Didn't really give them a chance. The press was going high. We didn't really give them an opportunity to try and create something. Now, Obviously, not every team might not have that, so that's where you might see the likes of Adiemo and Dobbs actually get sent away more uh, if, mm. if their midfield does get a bit more time on the ball. But, you know, if, if teams play like Waterford did and just completely control the midfield, then uh, I don't know what Wexford will need to do to kick up a gear. They, they definitely need some kind of creative spark, and we didn't give them an opportunity to have that. And I think, crucially, we, we did take our chances. We didn't have a, a load of chances either ourselves, to be fair. But one thing we did do was we were clinical with them. You know, uh, everyone knows, everyone listening anyway, we probably know obviously Wask got a hat-trick. Now, mm-hmm. you know, we were kind of away from the first two goals. You know, the first one we thought it might have been an own goal. Uh, looking back at the at the highlights, uh, you know, it, it seems like it was one of those lucky ones. But 
Um, the second, the, the, the next two goals, the, the second goal and especially his third goal, mm. was just really good forward play, clinical finishing, good strength to get ahead of his man. Yeah. So that that was that was what really set us apart. That we we controlled the game, we controlled possession, but crucially we took our chances. Whereas as you said, Wexford maybe had a half chance, and they didn't put it away. Whereas the kind of like the third goal, like he like Watts created that himself. That was no chance at all. He took mm. a chance going up and was physical on a 50-50 ball. Something that we were actually fairly critical of him in preseason that he wasn't being physical enough mm-hmm. for such a big fella. Yeah. You know, you'd think he'd be bossing defenders around. You know, something we were a little bit critical of him. But his third goal kind of summed up that that possibility that he can, you know, just create chaos uh, yeah. around him, you know, set defenders off. And then his finish was, you know, as tidy as anything you'd see in any league. Mm-hmm. I think um, his third goal against Wexford gave me a very similar vibe to his goal against Galway in the first division kind of playoff final, whatever yes. you call it, to get into that where he ran through and kind of out-muscled the defender. It was kind of 50-50 all as he fouled them and that. And he just mm-hmm. slotted it then. Obviously, the third, the, the third one against Wexford uh, was a lot harder finish than maybe the the one against Galway, but it's very similar mm-hmm. goals, I thought. Absolutely. No, he has. Look, he definitely has his moments. Um, and we were kind of saying that, obviously, in the preseason. When we saw him against Pats, you know, the ball was going up to him up the top and he wasn't even winning it. You know, he was... He was inches anyway if not nearly a foot I suppose bigger than the past defenders and he wasn't getting up winning the ball he had no aerial threat at all really and I kind of left and I was a little bit deflated after, after that you know because you'd expect better from him and, and he's capable of better we've seen better from him so to see him then come out against Wexford obviously in the match that matters and pull out that performance just unbelievable to see um I will be honest, I don't think Wexford are fully out of it yet. Obviously, it's the first game of the season, so they can't be out of it. But I think it is just going to be a case of them actually gelling. And I think that for them as a team to actually come out and perform and do what they need to do and for the rest of the season, that 3-0 loss is probably one of the best things that ever happened to them. You know, to get absolutely hammered at home. Because realistically, it was a hammer, you know, 3-0, but they didn't have... I'd love to see the possessions back. I'm not too sure what they are. But they didn't have much. They didn't really get much chances, any chances. You know, so I think that's kind of what they needed to be kind of, you know, a kick up the backside and say, right, well, we need to actually kick ourselves into gear here because the fans were expecting a lot, I think, from Wexford. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, um, go on. Uh, I was going to say um, that Wexford, I'll give, I was saying to Adam on the way out of the game, actually, that mm. remember from the Euros that everyone's dark horses were Turkey. And mm. Turkey just did, you looked at the names, looked at the likes of the players they had on paper. And I feel like people will do the same with this Wexford side. Just I, I personally uh, had him come in second. Now, mm. after that performance on Friday, I don't know about that one anymore. <laughs> I think yeah. I have to give that to Galway. But yeah. just look at the names, like Premier Division players, you'd expect a lot more. Mm. Premier Division players that came down and established First Division players, you'd expect a lot more from what I saw on Friday anyway. Yeah, but I think the good thing for Wexford, though, just as, you know, obviously the first game of the season is a lot to be told, or, you know, probably says a lot about it, but, you know, we went down to, to that, um, we went to a, a Wexford away match last season, Evan, and, you know, there was no fans, or, or basically no fans standing around the pitch, everyone was kind of in the stand, um, you know, in the seats or whatever it was, but 
I think the seats in Wexford, I think, I think we looked it up before the match, wasn't it? It was about 600 people or 700 seats in, in that, in that yeah, stand. Six or uh, 700 seats. Yeah, you know what? I think maybe 100 of them at that match before that we went to last season was Wexford fans. And they don't, you know, nothing. They had absolutely no support, realistically. There was more people working for the team, I'd say, than it was at the match. Um, and it was a home match, you know. So we kind of really just outshadowed them at that one. I suppose at this one, we kind of did as well. Because when you're playing, you know, a Southeast Derby, Wexford away, Waterford is always going to bring fans because it's not that far away. It's the first match of the season, whatever it is. So I suppose that's always going to happen as well. But there was a lot of Wexford fans there and I think they wanted to be impressed. I don't think they will be. So I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, Wexford's next home match, how many actual supporters show out for uh, and show up for it because it could be detrimental to them. Um, you know, having absolutely no fans. and not absolutely no, but having a lot less fans, I should say, at the next match after, you know, let's be honest, a poor performance in the first one. Like it could go the opposite way as well. I definitely see what you're saying. Maybe, you know, like what we said, it was 1900 there. Mm. You know, the, the official stats said, eight, said 800 were Waterford. I reckon that was closer to a thousand of them were Waterford. Mm. So we're talking about 900 fans to an opening day. Most of those probably came from the mega barbecue. They weren't really there for the football. <laughs> um, I don't know about that now. Eight euro for a burger. <laughs> <laughs> that was the biggest, that was the biggest crime of that match. Eight euro for a burger. Now um, I can see why they're getting all their Premier Division signings. That's the thing, yeah. Um, <laughs> like, you know, if they're, like, they'll probably be, like, a, if the, as the season goes on, realistically, you're probably looking, in terms of home fans, probably looking at more five, six hundred. Mm. If they start playing poorly, that could drop down to sort of two, three, four hundred. And that that could have a knock-on effect in terms of, like, their confidence, you know, seeing the fans dwindle and not getting behind the team. Mm. I think it also could help in a way as well. There seemed to have been a lot of nerves in that Wexford, in that Wexford team, especially mm. uh, in their back line and especially with their goalkeeper, who uh, I'm not too familiar with him. Looks like he's only a young fella anyway. Uh, he just joined them, uh, Colm Cox. But like we were even saying, uh, you know, we were in, down near the corner flag and, you know, when lads are coming out to take corners, you know, we were saying, throw it in on the keeper. He doesn't, doesn't look like he's on it today. Like, mm-hmm. so you'd wonder if maybe a bit of less less eyes on them could help settle those nerves and, and get them actually playing. So maybe they're suffering from too high expectations. So something yeah. like this might bring them back down to earth and just let them play ball. And in the long term, it might be better for them. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's kind of definitely a possibility as well. You know, there was a lot of luck at Wexford in the preseason. And they, were, they were very active in the transfer market. Uh, like Kevin said there, he had him at second. I had him at second as well, kind of in terms of the end of the season, where they would have finished. Um, again, after seeing him there on uh, on Friday, I have to think I've got to be moved up there now. But, you know, I still think it, it's it's a weird um, league in, you know, with the playoff structure and all that. In that, you know, they're definitely still up there for promotion. You know what I mean? You have 10 teams in the league, eight potentially could get them promoted when you look at the whole playoff structure. Are they... Not eight, sorry, but I think that could be eight in the league. That could be easily getting promoted when you look at the, how that playoff structure works. So it, it's definitely an interesting one of kind of will the fans stay with them? Will they go away? And then kind of how will that team react to it? But, um, you know, it, it'll be an interesting one to see. Another thing just on the thing you said, just was it just over 1,900? I think was the official number. Yeah. I think on that as well, children under 14 went free. Um, so they wouldn't have been scanned in, you know, and there was a lot of children running around that back now, in, fair, uh, in fairness. There would have been a lot of kind of a young, young crowd at it. So I think it was actually well over, realistically, it was probably about 2,000 people at that match, if not more. Um, now, again, uh, you know, 
granted maybe 150, 200 MB in children that didn't have to pay in. But, you know, that was a massive, I, I don't think I've ever, I don't think Fairly Carrick has ever been that busy, to be honest, um, for any sort of match. So I think it's, I think it can only be good for them, really, you know, um, and then just kind of how they cope under it. But it'll be an interesting one to see, definitely. Yeah, it's, great. it's obviously great for the league to have that many people come in. And, you know, it, it obviously helps that, A, the clubs are so close to one another, obviously. That's it. Uh, especially with the, the Ross bypass, it just makes it very easy to get from Watford to Wexford these days. Mm. Um, but then also just because of the preseason, you know, buzz be- behind the two teams, obviously Wexford, you know, having that buzz and Watford considered the favourites for the league, you know, and, you know, first game of the season, there's just all those things kind of kind of come into it. So great for the league. You obviously hope the numbers stay high throughout the year. Mm. You know, as we come closer into the summer months, you probably get more people going in the evenings. You know, it's not as cold and not as dark. You're less likely to get the flu like me. Um, so yeah, hopefully now that the numbers stay high, uh, yeah. I'd be very interested to see the numbers now uh, on on Friday uh, for for the next game at the R the first game at the RSC. I say there'll be a lot, a lot of Waterford fans out. You just wonder how many Longford fans are going to travel down to kind of round out those numbers. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm not too sure if it's over a thousand season tickets sold based kind of off just the buzz that you're seeing on social media. I'd say that could easily be the same. So just actually just match day tickets, you know, whether they're buying them online or on the gate or whatever. So Waterford obviously going to, you know, drown out any sort of Longford support. I'm not too sure what Longford support is going to be like coming down. Um, I actually can't even it's it's not the best really from what we've seen last season now they weren't the best last season anyway so you know we, I suppose it'll depend on will their team follow them I suppose looking after their last you know they lost 3-1 against that loan there last week is the team going to say right is the fans I should say going to say right we've travelled down what two and a half three hours to offer to watch them lose again probably not 3-1 at home to open a match of the against that loan so um, you know, just kind of touch on the attendances there as well. You know, I think it was it was a uh, one thousand six hundred and twenty six was the average attendance across the five games in the first division. You know, last week, which is unbelievable to see that. Yeah. Um, I think an interesting one as well. Kerry actually, interestingly enough, sold out twelve hundred people. Um, down at that match in Kerry, I know obviously miles away, and we don't play them for a little while anyway. And I'm not too sure I'll be making a way there trip to Kerry, but. You know, it's it's nice to see that as well. You know, a brand new team in the league. You know, God knows what they're going to be like, where they'll end up finishing. You know, what the expectations are like uh, for them, I suppose. But to see them, you know, selling out first match of the season, twelve hundred people, is obviously a good sign. You know, it, it can only be good for everyone involved. Yeah, great, great for the region as well. Like, it, mm. it's obviously, like it's a, it's it's a county that has a lot of interest in soccer, so it's great that they have a team that they can back. I think I read out of the twenty-five man squad, I think nineteen are Kerry men yeah. themselves. Like so, you know, it's great that they're sort of backing backing local players also. Yeah. Um but I suppose before we move on then to to talking about the next round of fixtures, uh, just to close out this one. Um the Walford Wexford game, who who's your who's your man men of the matches? Who's your man of the match for for, for that game? I th- I think it's hard to give it to anyone else. Apart from a scene, considering you got a hat, you can't really look elsewhere. But at the same time, I suppose you have to. Um, Barry Bagley, just unbelievable. Unbelievable, just in that in midfield. You know, what the things he's doing, his work rate, the effort he puts in, kind of day in, day, or not day in, day out, but kind of the whole match, I suppose, um, you know, is, is just fantastic. So I think in terms of, if, you're, if you looked outside of a scene, for me, it would be Barry Bagley. I'm, I'm on a similar 
uh, line of thought as Martin is here, I'm going to have to go with Bagley actually over with seeing completely. I thought he absolutely ran the show. And an honourable honorable mention to Roland as well, who mm. I thought was very good as well. He created a lot from kind of a free Roman position. Well, we're, we're three for three in the Bagley Supporters Club, as I, I would also give it to Bagley. <laughs> uh, I think it's <laughs> you kind of have to give it to the fella who got the hat trick, but yeah, completely agree. Bagley ran the show. Uh, yeah. he, he was he was phenomenal. Um, and I will I will give a shout out to to Eddie Nolan. Um, who we give a bit of stick to, but I thought he was, mm. I, I, I thought he dealt with everything that came at him uh, quite well, especially coming up, you know, against someone like Adiemo, very physical. Yeah. We were saying, geez, the size of this fella, absolutely huge, physical specimen of a lad. And he dealt with everything that was thrown at him, even though he, yeah. even, even though he's not as fast, not as tall, not as strong, he didn't let any of that kind of get past him. So I'll give a shout out to Eddie Nolan, but yeah, uh, Bagley ran the show. Absolutely. I think if you, if you just look at um, you know, Eddie Nolan's performance against Pat, it, it left a bit to be desired. Like, let's be honest. Obviously, he is that little bit older. Is, you know, is the stamina and stuff going to be there? Probably not. But he really did kind of pick it up against Wexford. He was actually very impressive. You know, especially when you take, I suppose, the whole kind of lot into, 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 into context, I suppose, you know, who he was up against and then just his own kind of conditions. You know, he is that bit older, uh, going to be that little bit slower. He did play fantastic. Right, well, we'll look ahead then to what's coming up this week. Um, I'll give just a quick roundup of the rest of the fixtures that happened in, in the last week first, though. Um, so, the other games, uh, Bray got a last minute, well, not exactly last minute, but a very late winner yeah. away to Treaty, which uh, I think brought down the average for attendances across the league <laughs> uh, last week from what I've heard. But to be fair, when Munster are playing on the same night, it's always going to be tough to get crowd out mm. and obviously Bray and Limerick are not exactly neighbours um, Kerry which obviously we, we, we mentioned the, the new team, the league um, didn't have the best of starts at home uh, bet 2-0 uh, by Cove Ramblers fairly comprehensively mm. as well uh, Galway and Finn Harps uh, ended up 2-1 in Galway's favour and the team that Wexford or Waterford sorry are going to be coming up against now this Friday Longford where we're, we're bet at home uh, away. Sorry, we're bet at home by Athlone 3 1. Mm. Um, now, I watched the highlights for this game earlier, uh, a sort of a larger package than what's on the LOI website because it only gives you two minutes, really. But I watched a longer one, about 10 minutes, mm. just so I can get a, a bit of a a bit of an idea uh, on, on how sort of Longford and, and Athlone were. And to be honest with you, I think I think the scoreline flattered Athlone a little bit. Um, mm. I don't think they were as uh, as dominant in the game as the scoreline might suggest. Okay. Uh, but one thing I noticed was, and this is going to be very similar to the Wexford game, uh, Longford Longford's defense just didn't seem to be any way physical, which right. could really play I- into Waterford's hands mm-hmm. if Wales can get going on Friday like he did last week. Uh, he can cause some some defenders a lot of issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I was I was looking just kind of at the um the stats of that match a little bit and the uh just kind of the timeline of it. You know, I suppose it doesn't look too good for Longford when you're losing three one at home and with a half an hour left of the match, you're playing a team of ten men. You're playing yeah. against a team of ten men and you're still not even getting one past them, you know. So it, it wasn't you know, it it definitely wasn't their best game. I think it's gonna be one that they'll want to put behind them, but it's gonna be one that they're gonna to need to learn from, I suppose. 
I think just the big thing from what you just said there, Adam, you know, they don't have much of a physical, you know, back line. And then you say, you know, if Wasim decides to pick it up a bit. And I think that's kind of the big thing is if Wasim, because there's games where he does and he absolutely he's plays on the lead. And then there's games where he kind of almost takes a step back and he kind of takes a seat and he's not near as physical, he's not near as into the matches as he can be. So I think that's definitely something that Longford will be hoping for is that Wasim just has another one of them days where he's not kind of fully into it. And um, I don't think it's going to happen near as often this season as it did last season, just because obviously he is going to be a lot of contention now for his space. Um, you know, last season, who was he up against? Like Raul Uche, he was really, he was kind of the main contender for striker because you would have had Phoenix and Junior out in the wings. You know, Ronan Coughlin now obviously coming in as a striker. Connor Parsons can play up front. Ando can play up front. You know, so there is going to be that contention there for the space. So coming off the back of three goals, he's going to want to keep his position and keep his starting position every time. So hopefully he'll keep up to that. But Looking at what Longford done last week, you know, I, I watched just kind of the the two minute kind of highlights that was just put up on the uh, on social media afterwards. They, they weren't the best, like we we call a spade a spade. So hopefully, you know, if we play the way we played against Wakeford and Longford played the way they played, uh, you know, it'll be fairly say, a fairly easy win. But I'd like to see Longford kind of pick it up a little bit and kind of see what they can actually do for the season as well. So it'd be an interesting one. Just to um touch on that physicality point of the Longford defence, the goals that they were conceding, I thought were just abysmal. Mm. I I Fair saw enough. at Lone's big striker absolutely dominated him. I know he got mm. sent off later in the game, but um the first goal, back to goal, absolutely dominated the centre half, turned on the swivel and just flooded into the bottom corner with ease. The other two goals were crossed into the box, which weren't dealt with whatsoever the last one I think the third one was a free header at the back post like it was just like under 11 stuff not even tracking runners like from the back or anything at all mm. you, just to actually touch on the striking options that we have we have mentioned Thomas Alua who was actually had better yeah. odds than the top scorer than yeah. we've seen was, uh, so there's that as well which we have mentioned that could probably cause havoc as well but Absolutely, yeah, and we actually watching him last season. I remember he came on last season for um at loan against us seven down the RSC, and he was absolutely relentless. Um, and I remember saying to him, I said, "That's a fellow I'd love to sign." Um, now, granted, there'll be probably many to jump on and say, "I know a lot about football," but I'm going to say it now, and I wanted to be known. He's one. He's one player I acted. I wanted to sign, and we did sign him. So I'm delighted with that when I saw him come through. Um, but. No, he could definitely cause a bit of trouble, I think, up front. Yeah, like, I I know it's the same thing as you, Evan, with those goals. Like, that first goal, you know, where yeah. he, he he dominated the defender, as you said. Like, he, he just backed into him and your man just didn't know what to do. Turned, shot. Easy peasy goal. And it's the kind of goal that you can see with seen score. Uh, but as Martin said, if he decides to show up, uh, I think what were what were what seems odds to be top scorer? They were like seventeen to two or something like that. Seventeen to two, yeah. Seventeen to a, two. Yeah. That was it. If he plays, that... if he plays like he did against Wexford, then I would I would be wishing I had backed him at seventeen to two. <laughs> um, especially because if he plays like he did last week against this Longford defense, who just mm. can't track runners, are not strong against a man, then I could see he could, he could get another hat trick. Absolutely, absolutely. Um. It's definitely, 
you know, something that he is capable. We know now he's capable of doing it. And Wexford, I would have put down as a much stronger team than Longford, you know, even before they went into the matches. And after watching now, obviously, the Wexford match and then watching the highlights, the kind of the short highlights of that Longford match, it should definitely be something that he, he should definitely be putting one past them anyway, if not two. Um, you know, and if he can put a hatchet past them as well, fantastic. But um, it'll be definitely one to watch, I think, came up front. I'm actually just going to check here, just out of interest, um, the top goal scoring odds after had they gone down for was seen. Um, I know Adi, Adi Amo was uh, for Wexford was predicted to be top scorer going off that odds and Alua I think was second with nine mm. to one. That's that yeah yeah because you mentioned that actually even on the way down to that Wexford match is Alua is, is second favourite um to be top goal scorer for the league and he wasn't even starting the match. No, I'm glad he didn't I suppose considering the position uh, the you know what well, um I suppose the uh Performance, I should say, that was seen put in. Yeah, I'm just looking at it now. With Steam is after half, and he's nine to two now. To be he's now the, he's now the favour. He's <laughs> nine to two favourite. Yeah, and uh, Adiemo nine to one, Alua twelve to one, and then Enda Curran also twelve to one as well. So, um, you know, it's hopefully if he keeps up, and I think that's the big thing with the Steam is if that's uh, uh, kind of just based on what I saw from him last season. And again, probably be a lot of people out there tell me I know not about football, um, but. I think the big thing with Basim is if it's just kind of it almost seems like a mental thing with him in that he either decides to show up or he doesn't and that can I think easily be seen with the performance put in first of all against Pats and then the performance put in against Wexford obviously two different games but night and day know, yeah it was night and day performances you know mm. as we as we said saw earlier he was getting dominated by lads you know defenders who were a foot off him mm. uh, you know against Pats now you'd maybe chalk it up to oh, I was just a friendly he wasn't really putting yeah. in too much effort and then, you know, against Wexford, just like a completely different player. So you just need to hope you're getting the, the ladder played against Wexford rather than the one who played against Pats. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Um, and I think just having a look as well, you know, at Longford, I suppose, coming into the season, you know, kind of, we spoke a little bit about our preseason. You know, we had obviously the couple of wins against local teams, the nice win, actually, very good win over Lover. Um, I can't remember the Rovers lineup now off the top of my head, but I'm fairly sure I think I'm right in saying Evan that they put out a fairly strong lineup. You told me. Um, Graham Burke was playing the likes of mm. Man as the keeper was starting. Yeah, so, so, so a couple of big boys in there. Rovers put out a fairly strong lineup, and we still bet them two not. You know, goals from Barry Bagley and Chris Conkar. So we had a fairly, you know, kind of an up and down preseason. Looking at Longford's earlier on, they lost two not in the Shelburne, they lost one not in the Bows, they then lost three one that low, and then you know. Uh, you know, in the first match of the season, and um, interestingly enough, as well, actually, they're playing Crumlin. Um, in, yeah, I was just the, in, in 20 minutes' time, actually, in the uh, Leinster Cup fourth round. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be an interesting one, I suppose, to see kind of how they get on with that one this evening. Um, surely Very close to the Friday game, actually. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. it might be it'd be interesting to see what kind of team they feel for that one. I don't know if the lineups are out or anything. But... Uh, yeah, no, I couldn't find them. I was looking for a there a moment, but I couldn't find it. Um, but it will be interesting to see, will that affect how they play against us? Are they almost going to be maybe getting a couple of excuses in already saying we had two matches in the week and we're never going to come out strong against Waterford having to play a match? But suppose it's, it's the cup as opposed to the league. Are they going to put in, you know, it's only the Leinster Cup. What kind of uh, team are they going to put out? 
So before we close out, then lads, uh, predictions for for this game. What 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 are you what are you looking at? What are you thinking score wise? Come on, Evan, believe you go first. If you know me at all, I hate doing score. I always ask exactly, but I hate yeah. giving to them. I'm a man of superstition, and I just can't do it. But I'm gonna do it for just the sake of the podcast, and I'm gonna go with a relatively easy three 0 win. Again, I don't see anything of threat other than Lynch for Lampard really up front. Um, and again, that back line leaves a lot to be desired from what I've seen so far anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd like to be optimistic. I'd like to go with the 3-0 win, especially after that performance against Wexford. For some reason, there's just something telling me it's going to be 2-1. I don't know why. Um, looking at the preseason, and I think we were all kind of saying it, Paul, little bit hit and miss in the preseason. He had a couple of shots that he should have been saving that he was just letting in. So he wasn't tested at all against Wexford. I'm not sure why I think he's going to be tested against uh, Longford. But for some reason, I think there might be something to happen there. Um, but uh, I think it should be a fairly easy 2-1 win. I think that one goal that we might concede, we might concede, I should say, is uh, you know will be kind of an unfortunate one. But I think 2-1. And I'll sit in between you and say 3-1. I think we shouldn't have any issue racking up a few goals against their their defence. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Longford score one. Um, it could even be a 3-2. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see us tested in defence a little bit more than we were against Wexford. Uh, like I said, uh, Wexford's lack of creativity in the midfield definitely sparked you know, their lack of opportunities um, if Longford can get a, a bit more of that going. And I'm sure they'll have done their research and stuff ahead of the game to know, you know, that's that's what sort of hindered Wexford. So they'll want to get a bit more of a creative spark going against us than, than Wexford did. If they do that, I can see them scoring one, maybe two, but yeah, I can't say anything other than a Watford win anyway. Absolutely, yeah. Especially well that I hope it's not another Watford win anyway, you know. But I think big thing with us, first home match in the RSC place is going to be absolutely packed. I think the atmosphere genuinely will be electric. Um Obviously, a little bit harder to feel the atmosphere, I suppose, in the RSE than it would have been a Wexford Power Cup in that running track around. I know Evan's not a fan of that running track. <laughs> we, always have a, we always have a chat about that running track. But, um, nah, I think, I think look, it's there's definitely going to be back in there. So I think, you know, they'll definitely have the support of the fans. Longford, not so much. Um, you know, so it should be a Waterford win. It's just a case of how comprehensive is that going to be. Just going off the games actually last year, I'm up. Um, we bet them two one the first game. We then played them in in Bishopsgate one three nil. We then lost to them at home actually two one. Yeah. We had a man sent off that game. Yeah, it was Wasim actually who got sent off that game. It was. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I, I, don't, I don't like omens like that. The last game was one all. Actually, no, I, yeah, one all, and that was the game. I'm doing this in the wrong order, but Louis Britton did score that last yeah. minute header, which was definitely, unfortunately, it was one of the highlights of last year, but you know, we won't talk about him now. No, there was limbs and fairness as soon as he, I think that was the 89th minute, was it? Or was that, that it? Was 93 minutes. I remember Brian Murphy, went up for, Brian Murphy went up for a corner, and I, I just thought Brian Murphy scored, to be honest. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, I remember. I remember watching that, yeah. Um, yeah, now look. Hopefully, hopefully they'll, they'll do the job they need to do, but it'll be an interesting one to see. I don't want to draft the dreams in this now, I haven't seen what seems getting sent off. 
It could be a bit, I think it was the harsh end of that. <laughs> I think, I, I think he, he, was, he not, was he not a little bit hot headed? I think it was, was he not a little bit, he got a yellow and then he got a little bit hot headed. I think he got the red. I could be wrong in saying that, I could be mixing it up or something. I think, I don't think it was, I don't think it should have been a red card. Oh, I remember there was, was a lot a straight, of red. It was a straight red anyway. Was it a straight red? Never mind then. I think it if it was a straight red, it was probably deserved <laughs> in that case. <laughs> ah, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know League of Ireland refereeing is ridiculous. <laughs> right. We're just about done, lads. Um, just because it's the first game week that we've just covered, we might as well get our predictions in early in terms of the table. We don't need to fill in every team. Um, if you want to give your prediction maybe for who's come first and then maybe two or three teams you think are going to be fighting for that playoff spot. Mm, uh, yeah, I suppose I have kind of a top five kind of just there, I suppose, in your head. I think yeah. Wofford... I'd like to say we'd win it. I don't think there's any other option. Um, I would like to say that every year, but look, it is what it is. I think we could, if we play, and it's a, it is a big if, because obviously there's a lot more matches to play. If we play the way we played against Wexford, even just most of the matches, I think there should be no reason we're not winning it. Um, don't know how close it'll be, but I think we should be winning it. Um, after watching that match against Wexford on Friday, I did have them in second. It is Galway now I have in second. Um, I'm interested to kind of see what they did throughout the season. I know they did play quite well last season, um, and obviously then we kind of had a couple of slip ups as well that let them get that bit closer. So I think they could do a bit of the business there, maybe put a little bit of pressure on. I still have Wexford in third. Interestingly enough, I think they can gel. I think it was just that maybe we're caught a little bit off guard. Maybe they thought they were a little bit better than they were. Or they just thought we weren't as good as we were um, on Friday. But I think I still have them in third. Interesting enough, I have Bray in fourth. They were. Fairly active in that preseason, um, a lot of signings made. So I think, what? Signed half of Wexford. Yeah, exactly. You know, so uh, they they were fairly active. I've Brian fourth, interestingly enough, and I think then I have Finn Harrison fifth. Um, I'd like to see him do something. You'd imagine he'll do something. I know they just got relegated, so I might be a little bit upset about that, I suppose. But I think that there's no other real. I can't see that loan or Longford putting much of a threat on him. Coves definitely not. Um, you know, or Kerry in the first season. So I think Finn Harps could be there in the playoff position as well. Um, I'm going to go with Waterford at the top of the league. Just, I think Galway, we'll just nip Galway to who I see coming second. I don't think it's a really, it's a toss-up on how you prefer, really. I think that, see, going off that performance, which is last year, kind of put me off them, but I'm going to give Wexford third. I'm then going to say that Bray will come fourth. And surprisingly enough, I'm going to say go bold and say Cove will come fifth. Just because I like Gosh. Shane Keegan and I like <laughs> Jack Doherty. And I think Finn Harps and Treaty and are in for a very disappointing season. Yeah, naturally Waterford number one for me as well. Um, as Martin said I think they don't really have a choice the players know they have to kick on and get it this time they brought in players who are you know coming from you know the English league or they've played Premier Division they've brought in a, you know some some interesting sort of squad players as well to, to, to let them kick on a little bit so Waterford number one has to be and then I'm kind of going similar in terms of who will be fighting for that playoff spot Galway are a bit of a weird team. They they seem to start strong and then kind of fizzle out a little bit. Um, but I think they'll be up there. They'll do enough. Um, I think Bray as well. 
um will 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 be up among among the lot. I find a lot of the other teams left are kind of fairly similar at Lone, Cove, Treaty. You know, they're Longford are all kind of similar enough in terms of um ability. Wexford, again, my uh, going into it, we are all saying Wexford are going to be a threat. Obviously, it's hard to judge after one game for sure. We'll probably have to revisit this maybe in a couple of weeks to see how the teams are getting on again. Um, you know, Wexford could definitely push in there if they they get their act together. Um, but uh, in terms of like Kerry, for example. I uh, don't think anyone's going to have to be too worried, which, to be fair, is their first season in the league. I don't think anyone's expecting them to do much anyway. They didn't have a preseason, so their first four or five weeks is going to essentially be their preseason while the players get together and gel and, and get used to everything. So, uh, yeah, Waterford number one, and then I think it's going to be between Galway, Bray, and maybe Wexford if they can kick on uh, to, to sort of fight away for that promotion spot or the playoff spot, I should say. Yeah. And I think just kind of I think just I'm touching on what you said there, Adam, as well, just about kind of the players knowing there's no other option now than automatic promotion. You know, it's something that you know we kind of banged on about even just in the podcast alone and been mentioned all preseason by basically everyone around Waterford. Um, you know, automatic promotion is the only kind of possibility. You know, obviously it's the only possibility between the fans, it's all the club would want, obviously. But I think when you're after bringing in the signings that they brought in as well. You're, you know, you're spending money, you're putting, you know, whether it's wages or whether it's transfer fees to bring in these players, like you said, from English leagues, from Premier Division here in Ireland. In the case that if we don't get automatic promotion, you know, there's players lost straight away. You know, kind of similar to what happened with Phoenix and Junior, um, this season. I know there was there was, there was talk of Junior was meant to be a a visa issue. I'm still a little bit, little bit hesitant to just fully believe that. I, think it's a little bit convenient that there was a visa issue with Junior and then straight away he's gone back to Fleetwood especially a player of his talent but um, you know it really is a case that if they're not promoted this season you know whether it's all, even you know forget about promotion to your playoffs I think if they're not automatically promoted this season you know we're losing a lot of the team that we just brought in so it really is even just from an actual business standpoint I suppose from looking at it as a club it is the only option and it's it's something that I think they actually have gotten into their head finally this season as players and as a team. Yeah, I think we can't just rely on playoffs at all this year. I think if we go the playoff route this year we'll we'll wind up with Cork in a in a in a relegation promotion final, which you know, who knows what can happen at that stage. So we mm. want to avoid that. Right, lads, that's wrapped it up. Um obviously Great chatting about all this stuff. We're going to be bringing this podcast out every week, uh, sort of early in the week, Mondays and Mondays or Tuesdays is going to be the aim. Uh, so if you'd like uh, listening to us talk about Waterford and want to follow us along throughout the whole season, uh, make sure you're subscribed uh, to all the usual places you go on your podcast and up the blues.